Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We uh, have an interesting topic for you today, and a little bit off of the normal 2022 track. Uh, we have a historical discussion of the Ravens' quality of fullbacks over the years. We're going to take a, a long stroll down memory lane with a lot of fullbacks who were here for a year or two in many cases, and bringing us the information on this is Mike Cabot. Mike, how are you doing? I'm oh, great, Ken. How are you doing today? No, no complaints at all. I uh, really appreciate you coming to me with this idea. It's a good one. And, uh, you know, seeing the file you put together on this, very well researched. I appreciate that always. Uh, let's, let's start talking about it a little bit. Obviously, the Ravens, one of the few teams that have uh, used a fullback. Even when you go back to the beginning of Ravens history, it hasn't been constant around the league that, that teams have been using a fullback. Yeah, you know, it was really interesting. Um, uh, I'm just old enough to know the Ravens for the good years, <laughs> uh, but I'm also young enough to at least play some video games and play some Madden. So uh, as I was growing up and playing some video games and watching games as a kid, I noticed some teams like the Ravens had uh, really, really good fullbacks to use. And uh, obviously, as I grow older and watching the game today, we're one of the few teams that still use a fullback uh, with you know the exception of maybe uh, the 49ers. Uh, as well as I think uh, sometimes the Chiefs and Bills uh, today. But, uh, you, you know, a, a lot of teams today don't seem to use it. And it seems to be something that the Ravens are, uh, I guess, using it to their advantage. 
Yeah, very much. And, uh, you know, there's only, uh, like you say, only about eight teams. So it means I, I like it as a strategy when you can kind of build away around the run the way the Ravens have. A lot of people say, you know, if you're, if you're, everybody else is zigging, you want to zag. Yeah, that's exactly. And this is certainly an instance where, you know, the Ravens can find value in kind of a hidden niche. Sure. Um, and if you, uh, you know, if we want to start with uh, when they first started back under March of Broda, uh, you got uh, uh, Carl Gardner. 6'2", 240. Uh, I don't know much about him. Again, these first few guys, I don't know a whole lot, but it seems like his first few guys were uh, just your big, bruising uh, blocking fullbacks. Yeah, Gardner had been in the league for six years with Buffalo, so he'd already played 83 games. Actually a fairly accomplished receiver, more than he was uh, known certainly as a runner. He'd run the ball some okay. in, in his years in Buffalo, about 30 times a year, but but he'd, uh, he'd also caught some passes. And, uh, and for a decent uh, yards per target number uh, during his time in Buffalo. Decent for a fullback. It's still under six yards per target. Mm. But, uh, you know, a guy who, who brought some offensive capabilities to that 96 team. Uh, funny, that 96 team certainly known as a passing team. Tons of 11 personnel uh, during, during the season. And uh, a team that, with Vinny Testaverde... Uh, and a good offensive line, they were huge. Uh, boy, they were they were really big for the league back then. Yeah. Uh, Ogden was a rookie playing left guard. They they really loved to play no huddle, so you wouldn't figure mm. a team like that to use a fullback that much. Yeah, as I, as I was reading through some of the facts there, I guess I, did, I didn't realize that even in that first year, Tess Verde was one of our Pro Bowl players. I had no idea about that. So. Yeah, wow. Okay, so right there. <laughs> that that uh, has certainly been forgotten over time, and he made a number of mistakes that, that people are, are more <laughs> more remember about him. But he's also put in a lot of bad positions by a defense that really uh, was very injured his first year. I, a lot of people don't know this, but the Ravens had a 4-3 defense they started with mm-hmm. in his rookie year, very much like the 2000 team. Uh, Marvin Lewis probably preferred the 4-3, I would say, given given the personnel. But that team became injured, and they had to switch to a 3-4 out of necessity during the season. Never a good formula. <laughs> I believe the 1981 Colts, one of the worst defensive teams of all time, also uh, that happened too. So uh, anyway, it wasn't a wasn't a good finish for for that team, and it, it it ran over into the offense too in terms of what they could accomplish. Sure. Sure. Well, moving on, uh, later into the 97 draft, we drafted Steve Lee out of Indiana. I uh, couldn't find much of him. I guess he never played with us, uh, but still to note, one of the first fullbacks we drafted, uh, I believe it was about the fifth round. I, 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 somebody was telling me it might have been the seventh round, but anyway, he was one of the few guys who, who never made the uh, team uh, when drafted by the uh, by the Ravens, and uh, you might be right about the fifth round. I really don't know. If you go through Ravens history, there's probably only a handful of guys who didn't make the team. Yeah, then that was <laughs> it was. I think I only saw his name said he was drafted on like one web page, and I was looking through it. So, <laughs> but uh, moving into the 97-98 year, we did pick up a player by the name of Kenyon Cotton, uh, six foot, 255. Did play 27 games uh, with the team. Um, I, I would I would imagine that that build again year. A bit of a bigger dude, more used as a blocker. I, I don't remember much about Kenyon Cotton. He didn't play a lot. I can tell you that. Um, uh, looking at his record here, it looks like he rushed the ball four times in two <laughs> years with the Ravens. Those were his, all his touches, no receptions. Sure. Um, I, I don't remember him playing a lot. He had zero starts. That would tell you something. Uh, so uh, I, 
you know, I wish there was more I could say. He played a lot of games, which tells me the Ravens probably weren't using him yeah. as their as their primary in '97 or '98. But uh, yeah, uh, but he was there. Well, I think in the '98 years when we started using a player by the name of Roosevelt Potts, six foot, two fifties, two hundred sixty pounds, and uh, looking at his numbers, it seems like he's more of that offensive uh, fullback. He got some touches. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think his yard, uh, yards per target. I don't know if yards per target, but at least yards per. Uh, let's see here. Uh, he had about 863 yards receiving his career over five years. For mm-hmm. fullback, it's pretty respectable. Yeah, most of that done with uh, with Harbaugh in the Indianapolis. Uh, Jim Harbaugh. Uh, he, he he played from '93 to '95 for Indianapolis. He actually was still there in '97. The Ravens uh, picked him up for '98. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, he did do a little bit of receiving. Didn't run the ball all that much, but uh, as a rookie. He was really more of a running back, and he did run the ball almost 180 times for 700 yards. So, for a guy like that to change into a fullback uh, at uh, you know that his kind of size at 60250, uh, pretty impressive that that was able to happen. Definitely not a bad player at all. His first three years in Indianapolis. Yeah. All right. Well, moving on into the years that most uh, I guess Ravens fans may remember more so. '99 uh, was the first year of Billick uh, coming over from Minnesota. Uh, and with him, he brought Charles Evans and Obafemi Ayamadejo. Uh, uh, so Charles Evans started 10 the games, uh, sorry, excuse me, started 10 games for us, whereas Ayamadejo over his career started 36. But for that 99 year, I believe it was mainly Charles Evans was the starting fullback, whereas uh, Obafemi was the backup and special teams mainly. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, he really did, he he, he came with Billa. Yeah. He's one of these guys who, who, who comes with the, uh, uh, comes with a coach. Uh, yeah, coach has a select set of guys he wants to bring in. He'd been six years at Minnesota. Uh, he was already 32 years old when he started with the Ravens. By the way, that's another trend I think we're going to hear repeating. Yes, itself. we are. <laughs> that's what trends tend to do. They repeat themselves, right? Uh, but uh, yeah, he started 10 games in, in 1999. And uh, I, there's not a lot I could tell you about uh, about a fullback, but he was highly thought of at that time and, and definitely one of Bill's guys. Yeah, and I, I remember I am Deja in particular especially, uh, I believe he, he was with, uh, on our first Super Bowl team. That was one of the names I remember sticking out as, as I was a kid, mainly <laughs> from the video games, but also uh, from hearing his name during the, during, uh, the play-by-play. So, mm-hmm. uh, moving into that Super Bowl year, uh, we picked up Stan Gash. Uh, again, another 32-year-old player, former pro bowler. Um, he played with us through the 2003 years. Uh, so a total of 42 games with us. But Sam Gash was our uh, lead fullback, I guess you can call it, uh, during that Super Bowl run. Uh, and he Long time with... Go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, obviously he led the way for, uh, I believe it was Priest Holmes, Ben, and obviously J- uh, Jamal Lewis. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was, Jamal I would Lewis say, pretty instrumental to that team. Yeah, I would agree. He was really thought of as being one of the premier running backs in the in the league. He'd made the Pro Bowl the previous two years with Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a long career with New England for six years before that. He'd already racked up. By the time he got to the Ravens, he'd already played 130 NFL games. Uh, I make that 135 NFL games. So he played uh, three more years with the Ravens through 2002, another 42 games uh, to, to finish out his career. Sure. But uh, definitely one of the guys who... Uh, opposing inside linebackers love to complain about the Ravens having yeah. during that time. It, it seemed like earlier in his career he might have got the ball a little bit more receiving-wise, a little bit more uh-huh. touches, and then with us he was purely just there just move people out of the way. 
Yeah, that's right. So he had he had one reception uh, in his first year. No, I'm sorry. It's six receptions as a first year with the Ravens. He had one reception that's really memorable is the Ravens were struggling to win that opening day game in 2001 after the Super Bowl at home against the Bears. But Sam Gash put him up for good with a third quarter receiving touchdown. Uh, that was just a, a little swing pass where I, I can almost hear it said in my head is they forgot to cover the fullback. <laughs> and sure enough, he uh, <laughs> uh, he caught it for a touchdown. That's and awesome. uh, well, he, didn't, he didn't have much. He had... Uh, I guess he did have a 16-yard catch, it looks that way, but he had nine catches One. for 80 yards. Actually, that, yeah. All right. Well, part of that year, I believe going into that year, we actually picked up another Ricard. I don't think he's any relation, but a player by the name of Alan Ricard, we picked up as a unrestricted free agent, and he was actually the backup to Sam Gash in 2001, and we had the same uh, two players for a couple years there uh, going into 2002, but Ricard actually took over as the starter in 2002. Uh, I think Sam Gash might have got injured in a very, very uh, first game or two of the year. Uh, all, mm-hmm. Well, I said he played 11 games, but really didn't have many snaps or didn't have any touches at all that year. Uh, so Alan Ricard took over in 2002 uh, and moving into... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, it's just Ricard... Uh, during his years with the Ravens, was there for three years, yeah. and it, it felt like they were always trying to replace him because they were drafting players, they were bringing in other fullbacks to, yes. to have extra. Like, what team needs more than one fullback? <laughs> I, I can understand why you need one, but you know, you go to the street for your second fullback, right? If, if anything happens to the first guy, well, the Ravens didn't always look think about it that way. And Alan Ricard, uh, fortunately, was there, you know, to back up Gash and took his job in 2002. Started eight games. 2003, he started 13. And he had a tremendous um, uh, connection with Jamal Lewis, I'll say, in terms of Jamal Lewis being, being able to read his blocks very well. Oh. So I, I, there, there, there's a famous point, not famous, but I don't know if it's really famous, but I remember it. From the 2003 Seattle game, Ricard actually signals behind his back how he's going to block to Lewis by putting a, you know, a number like behind his thigh. And it, the, the cameras caught it for the TV game. It's just great to, to, to see that happen. Huh. And uh, uh, he definitely had that connection. And, I, I, you know, some fullbacks, they're, they're very effective blockers, but they lose something when, they up, when the running back behind them can't necessarily read their back as well by where their helmet is placed or exactly how they've engaged the, the defender. But anyway, he, he was definitely somebody who Lewis worked off very well. Awesome. And I think going back to your point of looking to always replace him, moving into the 2003 season, uh, this is really the names I remember. Uh, we drafted a player, again, this would be a trend, in the fourth round of round pick 134, a player by the name of Ovi Muhaley. Um, he didn't play much the first couple of years, but we kept him around. Uh, but even during the 2003 season, uh, Jamal Lewis ran for that 2,000 yards, as you spoke to just before. Uh, and obviously he was very instrumental in Earned himself at least, I believe, a Pro Bowl alternate. Uh, going into 2004, uh, he was that was Alan Ricard's last year as a starter. Uh, so summing up 55 total games for him. Um, uh, and then we actually had a player by the name of Morrow. I don't think I wrote down his name. Harold Morrow. Harold Morrow. Thank you. Yep. Uh, Ovi was a backup with Harold Morrow for the 2003 season. Uh, but Morrow still took it over Ovi. So we actually had three fullbacks for the 2004 season. I think mm-hmm. we were pretty committed to running the ball uh, in, that, in that period of time. 
Um, it seems, you know, uh, that might have been the time the last few years of the bell cow backs where you're going to hand the ball off, get three mm-hmm. yards, it would call it good in the NFL. And we, I think starting right around that time has been a really progressed towards passing. Um, and we were still one of the last teams to have three fullbacks, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that made the running game important, one, is the, the Ravens' defense is good, and two, <laughs> is they had Kyle Bullard quarterback. And they really needed to try and win games. Jamal Lewis also, at, at, you know, at running back, I mean, their, their strengths were well understood, and their weaknesses were also very well understood in terms of what this team uh, uh, was capable of doing. Anthony Wright spent a lot of time at quarterback in 2003 and 2005. Uh, he was another guy who you didn't want to put the whole game in his hands. It worked out a couple times. I'm not saying that, especially <laughs> yeah. in the 2003 stretch drive. But in 2005, uh, you know, we saw less from Anthony Wright that year. Sure. So uh, moving into 2005, uh, we drafted another fullback. Uh, so this would be the third fullback who drafted by the name of Justin Green, 5'11", 250. This time in the fifth round, I believe I was out of Montana, uh, Montana yep. State. Um, didn't spend much time with the Ravens. Did spend three years with us. Uh, during the, I think believed it would be the standard rookie draft at that point, but played 39 total games, um, and it was really uh, him and uh, Ovi were the main fullbacks for the 2005 and 2006 seasons. It was a, Justin Green was a hell of an athlete, and and it looked like he could be a real player, built like a freaking brick wall. That's true, a lot of fullbacks in the NFL, but you know, 5'11", 251. That's a lot bigger than most of these guys. So the Ravens had certainly a reputation as being a team that would go after, uh, you know, bigger players. So, you know, you get later, they, they Lorenzo Neal and Vontae Leach and players like that we're going to get to. They, they, they show no remorse with older players who are just more big than athletes. But mm-hmm. Justin Green, tremendous young athlete at the time when the Ravens got him. And, and he was a real, uh, he was a, a shot to really get a good player in round five. That's not a, a free draft pick. That's a, you know, a valuable pick yeah. that you, you don't waste. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, considering they had just drafted a fullback uh, two years prior, I mean, they seem pretty committed <laughs> to keep one on the squad. So uh, moving into 2005 and six, uh, we talked about Ovi took over uh, as the main starter. And in 2006, uh, he actually made an all-pro second team. Uh, and he actually signed a second contract in the NFL with the Falcons. Yeah, so we need to talk about Ovi Mihaly's 2006 because that was really <laughs> a thing of beauty. Um, the, the, the recollection I have, and I have to look back at the game logs to see that it worked out exactly as I'm remembering, but it, we went to the Tennessee game that year on the road. Great game. Ravens came back from a 26-7 to deficit in the second quarter to win 27-26. And the game ended with a blocked field goal by Trevor Price, if yep. you if you remember that game. But yep. um, prior to that game at Tennessee, Ovi Mihaly was a guy with two catches in, in the first eight games. And the rest of the way down the stretch, one out of two he caught. He, he caught 20 of 22 down the stretch in the final eight games. It started with that game. Or two and he had in that, in that very game, his breakout had the longest catch ever by a fullback in Ravens history. It's a 30-yard um, kind of a delayed release catch from McNair where he ran over people and into the end zone. And it was it was I, I can I can kind of see the play 
in my head, although I don't, I can't recall who the Titan defender was that he ran over uh, <laughs> in, in going to the end zone. But he was really a very effective player, and that that year became a very key part of the offense down the stretch. Obviously, twenty receptions in half a season for any Ravens player is a lot, mm-hmm. but when it when he's your fullback and he's also taking the major blocking load for for uh, uh, Jamal Lewis, that that was really something. It's so a, a great second half. Earned a big contract. Yeah, yeah, he had, like I said, 20 catches over the last eight games. So if we actually utilize part of that part of the offense in the first half of the year, that's 40 catches. That's unbelievable uh, yep. for who's for a player mainly used as a blocker there. Yeah, another guy, super athlete. And they took a chance. They went up to round four to get him. And you know, I think the a lot of the criticism of the Ravens would have been that they drafted fullbacks consistently too high. Hmm during this period, that they had guys that could get cheaper. And we, we look, we, we spin the clock forward, you know, more than a decade, a decade and a half, really, to the Ben Mason draft pick. And I think that's 100% correct. But some of these early guys, uh, it's easy to see why they got comfortable when they had such success in the fourth and fifth round, getting some real players. Yeah, you know, I think uh, as you started to speak on it there, I, it seemed like they may have been drafted early, but some of these players worked out really, really well. Obi Muhaley signed mm-hmm. uh, second contract. Made a Pro Bowl, played in in the league for I think it was ten or eleven years, 107 total games. Another player mm-hmm. we're talking about later had another Pro Bowl year, signed another huge contract. And obviously the two more recent ones are signing historic contracts almost uh, as fullbacks. Uh, but we'll get to those in a minute here. So uh, moving on, uh, one of the players we just <laughs> mentioned briefly there uh, is Laron McLean, another six foot, 260 pound man. Uh, again, fourth round. 137th pick, uh, and he was considered one of the best in the draft. Uh, so, again, that speaks to what you talked about, us spending the draft capital to go out, get fullbacks, put them on the roster, and consistently use them. Uh, really, He started 11 games as a rookie and wasn't much of a runner. He was he was always a short yardage guy with the Ravens. So if you look at yards per attempt, it never was that impressive, only 3.8 yards per career with the Ravens. Sure. Uh, but he's very effective, high percentage uh, third and one guy, uh, you know, to, to to get first down. So it's one thing the Ravens really needed in the early Flacco years, uh, in particular. He helped them with that. So uh, had a huge year, um, really as a combination, yes. fullback and tailback in 2008. Yeah. So uh, in 2007, obviously he paid the way for McGee. McGee's first year with the team, first Pro Bowl as a Raven, 1,200 yards from McGee. But moving into 2008, Harbaugh was hired, and the team totally changed. Joe Flacco was drafted. Ray Rice was drafted. Cam Cameron became the offensive coordinator. Um, so in 2008, we did sign Lorenzo Neal uh, to also be a fullback. So again, we have two, we'll call it established fullbacks <laughs> in the league, uh, to go with uh, McGahee and Rice. But uh, as you're alluding to there, that three-headed monster of McLean, McGahee, and Rice really, really, with Neal mainly being the main blocker, paving the way uh, for the team, really made it easy for Joe Flacco uh, Cam Cameron as offensive coordinator that year. I, I have some difficulty recalling exactly what the circumstances were that, that they let Lorraine, uh, uh, Lorenzo Neal go, but he was 38 years old yeah, when he, he had his season with the Ravens. He'd, he'd been on that 2000 Tennessee team playing yes. against the Ravens. Yep. And and more than that, he'd been on the 1993 Saints in his rookie <laughs> year, so that gives you an idea of how long he'd been around the league. Uh, but he, he was a player who... 
Um, Harbaugh finally said that they didn't have space to carry a fullback who couldn't play special teams. And, you know, at 38 or 39, if, if this was the year I'm remembering, if it was really going into the 2009 season, he was cut. Um, it's easy to see why they might have sure. might have had to say goodbye at that point. Sure. Yeah, as a 38-year-old, uh, I mean, the, the years past, he was blocking for uh, Tomlinson in San Diego. So mm-hmm. he was still getting the job done at a pretty high clip. Uh, but, you know, I think at 38, I think Father Time's unbeaten at some point, And uh, at that point, he becomes a little expendable. Yeah, he, he had actually been all pro yep. at 36 and 37. So, and a four-time Pro Bowl are all 32 and later, which <laughs> that probably is a record. Four Pro Bowls all after, uh, all 32 and later. Sure. Pro- probably is an NFL record. It might be some punter or some kicker who did that, but, uh, but not, not one of the 22. Yeah, other than maybe Tom Brady and the, punt, the kickers, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm saying his only four oh. fullbacks. Oh, you're right. Only I'm four sorry. Pro Bowl years come in 32 and Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. That's probably a good point. That's, I wondered what the answer to that one is. All right, well... Uh, so into 2008, like we said, had the three-headed monster. 2009, uh, Ray Rice was the lead back, 1,339 yards. Uh, McLean got, I don't want to say relegated, but became a lead blocker again. Uh, he made his second Pro Bowl. Uh, into 2010, he was still being used as a blocker, uh, and unfortunately for us, uh, he wanted more touches. I think he got used to that uh, running back life, per se, we'll call it, uh, getting some extra touches here and there. Uh, he actually moved on to time with Kansas City, uh, and then the Chargers, uh, but unfortunately for himself, didn't get those extra touches uh, with the other teams. Uh, so do you remember much about when he was actually being used uh, those last two years? And did it ever come out in the, in the public how disgruntled he might have been? Let's see. So I remember he was campaigning to go to the Pro Bowl in 09, and he had, I, th- I think I'm thinking of the right guy here. <laughs> Uh, maybe, maybe I'm not. I don't want to. I don't want. It might have been Leach to the Beach, is what I'm thinking about. And oh, not, probably. It wasn't Lauren McLean. Uh, that sounds familiar. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But but uh, but he, he he probably did want a bigger share. He also, you know, the the Ravens had a, a a notion of fullbacks as being somewhat disposable after a certain point. So they signed some vet men guys to co- to bring in, but they really didn't want to pay for a fullback the way a lot of teams. Uh, you know, the way some other teams might. So sure. if it's a position you can get cheap, they would go back to the draft and, and try and get somebody new. All right. Well, uh, speaking of Vontae Leach, after we let McLean go, we picked up Vontae Leach, who was a previous pro bowler with the Texans. Uh, the year prior, I uh, was blocking for Arian Foster as part of the, I believe it was a Gary Kubiak offense at that point. Uh, Foster then had 1,600 yards. Uh, but blocking for Ray Rice. Ray Rice made a second pro bowl with Leach. Uh, as his lead blocker, picked up 1,364 yards. Uh, Leach also made a Pro Bowl. Uh, I think yeah, that was all pro. Ricky Williams. All pro, two straight years in 11 and 12. Uh, Vante Leach, I, I tell you what I remember about him. There's two things, really, that I remember about him more than anything. One is, as a blocker, in terms of his style, he was all about con- conservation of momentum, better than any fullback I've ever seen, which means wherever he's going, He's going to try and continue to move up levels and and not give up momentum by turning. Uh, oftentimes, you'll see a fullback that'll try and seal or make a U-turn block. Mm. But Vontae Leach really, really thought it was the better strategy to get upfield, conserve his momentum, and absolutely level somebody in in level three, as opposed to necessarily making every every block by U-turn in level two, if necessary. So. Uh, he was very impressive in that way. Huge man, obviously. But I think also for his size and athleticism, 
uh, it made a lot of sense for him to conserve momentum when possible uh, because it was he was not a fast accelerator uh, human being. Sure. I would imagine most of the fullbacks aren't the quickest of foot. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. some lateral agility may not be their best. Once they get going, uh, they better look out. They'll, they'll clear the way pretty quickly. One other Vontae Leach story. Um, th- if you if you haven't watched Super Bowl Forty Seven recently, go back. The very <laughs> first play of the game, uh, the Ravens had two weeks, of course, to plan for the Forty ers defense, mm-hmm. and they got Vontae Leach open on a pass eight yards downfield. A uh, nice eight yard opener to the game, and uh, and he he got that first pass. It was unlike any route he ran probably the rest of the season. Vontae Leach ran a three-yard out pattern for basically the only route he would run. It was the only route in his arsenal. You look at his yards per target in 2012. He actually did have six, so he had to do some running over of people to get that uh, on, on uh, let's see, how many catches would it have been? He caught the, caught twenty one balls that year, so it's not like he wasn't he wasn't pretty useful. But it was a lot of three yard outs was what he would run. Anyway, very high catch percentage uh, made him valuable to the Ravens there. Yeah, I remember. Uh, obviously, Joe Flacco's favorite thing was to you know if nobody's open downfield, find find the running back chilling over here for the checkdown. Uh, and as we both know, uh, obviously, what was it called? Uh, the fourth and twenty. It was the fourth and twenty eight against the Chargers. Obviously, that was yeah, a checkdown also. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Flacco, while he had a cannon, uh, I, I still, his favorite play had to have been the check down, just the, yeah. just the, the, the safety valve there. So, uh, Ray, Ray Rice, a very elusive guy. And, uh, and certainly it was, it was, uh, it's interesting that the, the, one of the big contrasts in style between him and Lamar is Lamar's never really wanted or done well having a check down guy. Oh. Uh, he's his own check down guy. In yeah. fact, he takes off with the football when, uh, when the pocket's getting crowded or, or, or he feels like he has to. Uh, so extend, 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 run, whereas Flacco <laughs> was check one, check two, dump to, to Rice, and he was very uh, very regular in that pattern. All right. Uh, we might have lost Michael here, but we ready to go on, Mike? Oh, I think we're good. I think we're good. Sorry. Huh. Yeah. Not sure what happened there. No, it's okay. Uh, so 2013... Uh, one of the big ones, they they draft Kyle Juszczyk. Yes. So, uh, as we talked about in 2012, we did win the Super Bowl. Leach, again, third-year All-Pro. Uh, but moving into 13, we drafted Kyle Juszczyk. Here's key number again, fourth round, pick 130. So that's, I believe at that point, that was three players you picked in the fourth round with about the 130th pick. So, again, consistent trend, <laughs> as we spoke about earlier. Uh, but you and they said, hit on those guys. Yes, they with did. McLean, all three of them. With McLean and uh, and Mahaley before that. So all three of those guys uh, became all, all pro or at least pro bowl players. Sure. And like I said, I think, you know, I think you spoke about it earlier. That's one of the things I think we do really well is identifying fourth round picks. Obviously, we have very many of them this year. But um, mm-hmm. we seem to be really good <laughs> at understanding uh, the value players we can get for our team and how to best uh, utilize them and, uh, uh, I guess, maximize their potential with with the team there it's a it's a great point because if if nobody else is valuing the position and you can consistently get the best player at that position in the fourth round and he helps your offense enough to be a pro bowl player and a lot of this is it was validated i mean muhaley went to atlanta and was a pro bowl or probably all pro there as well and certainly got a big contract to, to do so at the very minimum. That's validation of the Ravens pick. Use check, same deal. And, you know, he was much more of a receiving threat 
with the Ravens than I think that I had figured. You know, we expect him to be a good blocker, sure. but much more of a receiving threat. Yeah, you know, he when he when we drafted him, obviously Caldwell was the OC, uh, offense coordinator, and at least was still a starter. So Juice contributed on special teams, and um, that was a bit of a down offensive year for us. But moving into fourteen, uh, Gary Kubiak took over as offensive coordinator. Obviously, brought his uh, patented his own run scheme. Uh, Leach was released. Uh, obviously, that was a uh, Rice was released for obvious reasons there. But Juice became the starter, and we reached out to Justin Forsett. Uh, now, whether it be because of the scheme, uh, because of having Juice there as a starter, or both, <laughs> uh, Forsett uh, had a Pro Bowl year of 1,266 yards. Um, I think he's still one of the the random favorites by true Ravens fans. <laughs> As a you know, one year, two year player, maybe sign another deal. Uh, but I, I feel like we reached out to him, and uh, at least I see his name pop up on Twitter pretty often. Yeah, he's he is a little bit unusual. A really good athlete still at that age had had more speed than I think people give him credit for having. But the Ravens certainly they matched up what their need was at running back stylistically. Uh, you know, a smarter runner who could read blocks well with what they had with Juszczyk mm-hmm. and what they had at tight end at the time. Uh, I think Crockett Gilmore was on that team. It was mm-hmm. a good blocking tight end. So they, they had some they had some weapons to help a running back, and Forsett had a big year uh, that year. And it wasn't long after that that Juszczyk started a, se- a string that's still going on of six consecutive Pro Bowl seasons. Absolutely. So. One with the with the Ravens in his final year, but then five more with the 49ers since he signed with them. Yep. So in 2015 uh, was our first year of Mark Trestman as OC. Again, Juice was a starter, and actually he had 41 receptions for 320 yards. Uh, and that was it wasn't his first Pro Bowl year, but that was the first year where he really was started to use as a uh, an all tool uh, running back blocker uh, player out of the backfield. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, one of the things about about Juice, and, and he did a lot of this with the 49ers, but he's got seven yards per target as a receiver. Uh, it was only 5.8 for the Ravens, which isn't bad, by the way, for a fullback. That's mm-hmm. not bad at all. But but 7.0 career with 7.9 with the 49ers just out of this world. With the Ravens, I mentioned Ovi Mahaley having the longest catch in Ravens history. That happened all the way back in 2006. That wasn't broken until Juszczyk did it in 2014, so stayed the record for eight years. Juszczyk then had the three longest catches in Ravens' histories of 33, 39, and 40 yards uh, by a fullback. So uh, he really set a standard for Ravens receiving fullbacks that's never been matched. Yep, and I think starting in 2016 is when he started the standard of us being a Pro Bowl. (laughs) Well, that wasn't the first, but he started his name of being in the Pro Bowl, as you mentioned. Uh, he's, 2016 was his first Pro Bowl year, uh, and after that Pro Bowl year, he signed a four-year, $21 million uh, contract with the Niners, largest ever for a fullback. Um, and since then, he signed another extension, five years, $27 million, uh, just last March. So he's, as a fullback or all-tool player, he's definitely being used, get, getting paid for it. Yeah, a lot of money involved, obviously, in both those deals, but... I think the, the Ravens have consistently kind of shown a strategy that they like to get their guys paid. You know, they, nec- they don't want to necessarily be the team to do it, sure. but they like to get their fullbacks paid by somebody else. And of course, that leads to good compensatory draft value in both those cases. <laughs> Obviously, that's part of the, uh, the Ozzie Newsome way, you know, go out, find a contract. If we feel like we can beat it, we'll match it. If not, mm-hmm. better for you. Yeah. So moving into 2017, uh, was the first year we had Marty Morningwing as the OC. 
Uh, we did hire Greg Roman also as an assistant for the run game, but uh, we somehow stumbled upon Pat Ricard as the undrafted free agent uh, after the draft of 2017. And obviously, as most people know, he was originally a Dean Lyman, and somehow we converted him into a two-way player uh, for that year. Yeah, I, I could just tell you a little bit about that year and what it was like to go to camp. And, and there's a there's a rule when you're covering the Ravens in camp that you can talk in general about players, you can talk about plays, you can talk about things that are on the record in the interviews, but what you can't do is talk about schemes and strategies that they're using on the field. So one of the things that was off, uh, not, not had to be mom, it had to be a gag order on, was that Ricard was actually playing fullback in camp that year. It was weird because you know he was wearing the opposite color jersey of the offense, and normally I think the offense wears the purple jerseys and the and the defense wears the white jersey. And they, they may switch off day by day, sure. but but one side wears one color. And then the other side wears the other, and it helps you know having a normal environment for identifying the players that are on your team. Well, anyway, with Patrick Ricard in there at fullback, he he was wearing the wrong color jersey for the <laughs> for the for the offense, but uh, but he was in there, and, and it really uh, needless to say stuck out like a sore thumb. It was something we we no, I don't think anybody felt right mentioning until it actually happened in a game sure. and then you say okay well it's been happening all camp sure. so <laughs> i guess he's always had number 42 do you remember him having a, a defensive lineman number in that camp at all uh that's a good question because i thought he might have been number 78 at one point i see that that uh, pro football reference lists him as only number 42 but uh maybe Maybe he switched during camp. Probably. Or maybe Before I just got it wrong. Before the season started, it, may, it yeah. became official. Yeah. So, all right. I'd have to go back and look. That's interesting. So moving in, moving into the 2018 uh, draft, uh, this is obviously the monumental draft that really, uh, again, shifted uh, the organization. So uh, that was the Lamar Jackson and the uh, amazing draft by uh, Ozzie Newsom. We did sign Gus Edwards also as undrafted free agent uh, who started on the practice squad. Uh, but really was elevated in, in the week six, and I remember I remember that year really really closely. Um, uh, we when Flacco went down, uh, obviously Lamar took over, and we started seeing more Gus Edwards and uh, out of the pistol. And Ricard started the first ten games of the year, uh, but when Gus came back in, uh, he really wasn't utilized all that much because we were only running out of the pistol and the gun, which I don't think Ricard had much experience in at that point. Um, so it was really interesting to see Ricard get used in the first part of the year and then really not so much the last six games. Um, he's, it's, he, he's definitely been an off-and-on usage of player you, on defense and, and in the, as a fullback. But uh, the, more he could, the more he became part of the Roman scheme with motion, the more he could be on the field for yeah. more. It's almost like using him as a, as a move tight end. Uh, they used Nick Boyle a lot for that, but they didn't. They they, they had Ricard available for that role, and uh, uh, he proved expert at it. And when they needed him to be an inline tight end, hey, he did that too without Nick Boyle. Yep, and that's a perfect segue there, Ken, because in 2019 is when uh, he really did get uh, involved more in that Greg Roman offense, as you said. Uh, he earned his first Pro Bowl nod and has been a Pro Bowl player the last each of the last two years. Uh, excuse me, uh, and he's since then signed a two-year, seven million dollar uh, extension in 2019. Um, and he signed another extension for three years, uh, 11 million. So uh, going back through it, uh, we've had one, two, three, four players uh, that we drafted uh, in the fourth round, or in Ricard's case, mm-hmm. 
undrafted free agent. But have all signed second contracts in the league, and two of them now signed, well, I think three actually, signed at least third contracts. Uh, they're probably going to be, uh, obviously, Juszczyk, I would imagine, would make it to 10 years in the league. Uh, he's on year mm-hmm. nine, uh, so this year will yeah. be 10. Uh, and if Pat Ricard plays injury-free, obviously he's five years in, plays a pretty brutal position, but he does have a chance to make it also to 10 years in the league, which is pretty astounding uh, for fullbacks. Yeah, definitely possible. He certainly picked up some guys on the back nine of their career, too, who, yeah. who made it to 10 years, including uh, you know, a player I think Sam Gash might have gotten there with the United East Coast, and Lorenzo Neal, certainly. Yeah, yeah. sure. Uh, and obviously the, the most recent draft pick, I think it's your – been obviously your favorite draft pick by the Ravens uh, through the years. But uh, in 2021, we drafted Ben Mason in the fifth round, pick 184. Uh, I don't think much needs to be said. I think we, most people would agree we would have liked to see some other player pick there. I remember that one pretty clearly. We, as we, uh, I, I'm an MSU graduate, and obviously we see a lot of U of M players uh, through the Big Ten football. And when we drafted Ben Mason. I was really confused as to what the plan was there. And I still don't think it's quite shaped out yet, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he's back on the squad again this year. Uh, I haven't seen him too much in clips on YouTube or even, in any, you know, just from reading from the, the writers that go to camp. But uh, really interesting to see if he actually makes the team this year. Yeah, it. I, I don't think there's room for him, given who they have at tight end and fullback. The, the obvious place that, that he might be able to find a role with the Ravens is if he gets in the practice squad and somebody gets hurt. Yeah. And the Ravens are a team that, that is going to want to carry four tight ends if they're going to play a lot of 13 personnel because you don't really want to go into a game where you don't have the requisite number of large bodies that you want on the field. Yeah. In addition to that, they have some tight ends they may use as receivers, whether that's Kolar or, or likely, we've, we've seen some good things from so far, who, who may be flexed more and used more in a, in a wide receiver type mm-hmm. role. So all in all, over the last 14 years, Ravens, uh, have had a Pro Bowl representative for at fullback eight, uh, excuse me, for eight of the last 14 years, and even since '96, uh, we've had the most representation. Uh, we since '86, or excuse me, since '96, uh, Baltimore has been the fullback representative for eight years. Uh, and the next closest is San Francisco, but five of those are the last five years from Juice, and Kansas City mm-hmm. also has six uh, with a, a few different players, Sherman. Uh, Tony Richardson and Kim Landers. So uh, what really sparks to me is, as we talked about earlier, uh, as the league's progressing towards a passing league, we're going the opposite direction. We're uh, emphasizing the players that aren't being paid the most, fullbacks, tight ends, safeties, and we're really utilizing them more than everybody else. And I think this is uh, just another indicator of that, how many Pro Bowls we've had, how many drafted fullbacks we've had, uh, and uh, signed veterans that commit uh, to keeping a fullback on the team and not just being good at it, but being one of the best in the league at, uh, in that fullback position. Yeah, I think if if you look at what's enabled the Ravens to do that, I think some of it is that they've been so strong defensively in their history that they've they've been able to make other teams progressively desperate with the run game. I think this year could be another one where where mm. it could be very exciting if the offense can provide some leads. This defense is going to be unbelievably good at sitting on a lead. I, I, I really believe that. They're going to be able to put whoever they want on the field in terms of defensive backs. They'll basically say, go ahead and run if you want. Sure. We're going to defend the pass, and you can take 10 minutes to score if you want otherwise. Sure. Uh, but it'd be fun. Yeah. I mean, even in the, even in the down offensive years we had, you know, we still had an outstanding play from Juszczyk, uh, Leach the, the, in 2013 after our Super Bowl. 
Um, you know, those guys uh, still really, really big contributors for the team. Uh, even though we weren't didn't have the most leads, uh, I might have had a banged up squad until those years. So, uh, mm-hmm. really looking forward to see what Ricard can really do going forward. Uh, you know, obviously he's slimmed down. He's not 300 pounds anymore, even though he might be listed there. Uh, but he moves a lot better. Um, mm-hmm. Do I think he'll be, uh, you know, used as a tight end like he was last year? Probably not. I think we've uh, reestablished having actual tight ends there. Uh, <laughs> so, um, uh, but I still like watching him blow up the hole and make way for everyone else. And I think, you know, uh, I, watching him move from one side of the formation almost every other play, uh, that that player seems to be the key in the Roman offense. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really excited to to see the Ravens still, uh, you know, stay committed to having the fullback. Now, will we move out of the Greg Roman offense for whatever reason? Will we keep it? I don't know. I imagine we would, based off our history here. Uh, my bet is the next time we draft somebody, it'll be in the fourth round, about around pick one thirty, one thirty-five. It's it's. Uh, I, I want to focus on something you just said because I think it's very interesting but the NFL's new version or the Ravens new version of the I formation Mm -hmm. is basically to have your move guy crossing the center as it's snapped Mm. and he's effectively in an eye with your running back he may be directly in front of an offset or or a sidecar back he may be just offset but there's the offset eye of course is is one way you run that and it it allows for a, a multiple different ways you can approach how that player blocks and either leads or dekes the defense on the play, but uh, ex- makes extreme use of the fullback, and uh, uh, it, it really is the new eye formation in a lot of ways. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, uh, I think uh, like we, we talked about it a few times. This is where it all came from. This whole idea of what we're talking about came from is when when the league zigs, we we zag. We do something different. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of lot of content being made about how we're emphasizing. The lesser used players around the league so you know we're moving away from paying a second contract to a wide receiver maybe trading that player getting something else in return and now we're dra- you know we're paying the tight end so we're paying mm-hmm. the safety in this case we're paying the fullback um will it continue i don't know but i like what it's been doing <laughs> uh, i think it's obviously very beneficial for us as fans uh to give us a chance every year to have a solid squad it's been it's been great to watch and it's been great talking football with you, Mike. I really appreciate your level of prep here and and uh, the level of discussion you brought to this. Uh, uh, a lot of fun here, obviously. Tell folks where they can talk football with you online. <laughs> well, I'm I'm just a fan. Don't make content. This is really just something I I, I want to hit you up on Twitter. Uh, I just thought it'd be something really cool because, uh, like I said, as a kid, I remember uh, using the fullbacks, using the Ravens playbook, uh, and it was really important to have a really good fullback and. Uh, but anyway, uh, all my social media is just is Cabot C A B O T nine one eighty eight Twitter, Instagram, all of it Cabot nine one eighty eight. So don't really post a whole lot. Uh, it's really more about MSU stuff <laughs> or Michigan State stuff related football, sports, basketball when it's uh, when it's relevant. Uh, well, obviously when football comes around, you'll see a lot of Raven stuff on there as well. All right. Outstanding, Michael. Other folks out there, if you'd like to join me on a film study short, hit me up with a DM on Twitter. They're always open, and I'm always interested in listening to new content ideas. Michael, we set this up in, what, a a day or so in terms of of getting it turned around and uh, going from idea to scheduled? Yeah, not long. I think think it hits you up uh, on Twitter, and then uh, you might have mentioned me back probably about 20 minutes later. Uh, We said we scheduled it for a certain day, and here we are. 
All right, outrage. It's that easy anyway. If you'd uh, if you'd like to come on the show, I'd love to have you. And uh, particularly, you've got a good topic that's narrow, and we can get to it in about twenty five to forty minutes uh, in some significant depth. And that was exactly what uh, Mike brought here, even though he brought a very thorough treatment of it. Really, really appreciate that, uh, Michael. Thanks again for coming on. Thank you. I appreciate you. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.